success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And do we have an invincible one to introduce you to today? Allison Jacobson is known as the Midlife Maverick. She's a testament to resilience, having triumphed over grief and obstacles, including the death of her baby to SIDS, financial devastation after a divorce, and managing the role of caregiver for her son with intellectual disabilities and her husband with primary progressive MS. Her journey includes successfully starting and selling a business at 28, conquering the New York City Marathon at 57, proving it's never too late for transformation. As a serial entrepreneur, successful coach, and speaker, Allison empowers women in midlife to rediscover their goals, rebuild confidence, amplify joy, and unlock the abundance they deserve. Oh my gosh, Allison, welcome to She's Invincible. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my. Oh, just an honor to have you. To, I just feel so lucky to have met you and to be able to introduce you today to our community because you have you have. First of all, I think maybe you're going down as one of the most invincible <laughs> just based on your bio. Right. Um, and and um, I just you know, as sad as a lot of the things that we go through in life and the journey, it's such uh, a joy to be able to share it with other people and make a difference. And I see you doing that so loud and clear. And it it helps, I know, to honor the people, right? And to honor the, the journey and all that you've been through and all you've achieved and overcome. So, oh my gosh, here we go. I know, I'm like, let's not let them wait anymore. Let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today? And what makes you invincible? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, like you said, all of us have stories and without a doubt, all of my tragedy, all of my grief has led me to where I am today. And I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be a podcaster or a speaker or a coach, but I realized if I can help one woman, I've done something in not only in honor of my son, but in honor of everything I've gone through. Because in this life, especially now, we have to come together, raise each other up and support other women and, and help them get to be invincible. Yes, yes, that is our mission. So and I'm thank you for being on this journey with us. So tell us how you got here. How did you get where you are today? Oh, man. So as my bio said, unfortunately, in 1997, my first son died of sudden infant death syndrome. And that absolutely profoundly changed 
who I was and what I wanted to do. Before that, I was in public relations and I loved what I did, but I knew, I knew at that moment there was something more. And then fast forward, my next son was diagnosed with intellectual disabilities. And so I felt like, what can I do to give back? Because undoubtedly, when you are going through your worst trials in life, when you can find a way to give back, when you can find that gratitude, that makes all the difference in the world. And so that's when I decided I really wanted to find a way to help women. Fast forward at that point, I was known as the safety mom. I was talking about child safety and everything like that. But as I matured and as my life changed once again, as you said, I went through a horrific divorce. I was forced to declare bankruptcy because unfortunately, all the credit cards were in my name. I then met and married an amazing man who unfortunately, four weeks after we were married, he was diagnosed with primary progressive MS. And, and you have to understand, he was a pro golfer. So it was his body betraying him. And as much as I wanted to be there for him, I couldn't even understand and appreciate what that must have been like. And so he went through this major transformation just as we were married. I went through this major transformation of all of a sudden being a caregiver now to two people in my life. And I said, what is this going to look like for me? And absolutely, absolutely. There are times when I'm like, oh my gosh, what is the future going to look like? But, but here's the thing. You can't, the future is fear, but it's not real. All that is real is what is in front of you right at this very moment. What is that? And so that's all you can deal with. And that's what I said, I am going to live through. I am going to live in this present moment and take every moment one step at a time. And that's what I work with on my clients, being present, being mindful, understanding that fear is fiction. All you can do is live from the moment right now and make it the best moment of your life. And so I have my life with my husband. Absolutely. But I said, that is not going to stop me from doing what I want to do. So I take trips with my girls. I take trips with my, my friends. I live my life on my terms. And that's what we're all meant to do in midlife. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so tell us what makes you invincible. Oh, man, what makes me invincible is really the trials and tribulations I went through and recognizing that I survived. I survived. When you have gone through hell and back, when you have experienced the worst tragedy that anybody could, the death of your own child, and you've lived through it, you realize you can live through anything. And especially now in this world, all of us are living through so many tragedies and traumas. And when you get up to live the next day, you realize you're invincible. And so once that happened to me, I was like, I'm going to try everything. I am going to live my life. I am going to run that New York City Marathon. I am going to ride that mechanical bull. I am going to do everything that I want to do because you got one shot at this. Oh, no one could say that better, right? That's the mic drop. One shot. That's it. 
you want to do it right. Right. You want to fit as much in as you can. I always say that like when I'm done, when this life is done, I want to have squeezed every bit of juice out of that lemon. I just so true. And you know, you, you, you listen to, there's been so many studies and reports by nurses at hospice and the greatest regret of people is not having lived their life. And it's just so sad. It's so sad when you die with those, I would have, I should have, I could have in you. I can't imagine anything worse. And I wish, right? I wish I had. And you know, that's interesting that you said that because they also say that people's regrets are never what they did. They're always what they didn't do. And And that is so amazing to me because we live our life so fearful. What if it doesn't work out? What if this happens? What if that happens? And at the end of the day and at the end of life to think like we never think about that again. There's no fear anymore. It's just like, oh, my gosh, we're, we're we are regretting what we never did. I'll tell you, the, the number one word that impedes success is but mm-hmm. I could do this. But yeah, that would be great. But it's that but that gets in our way and stops us. The big butt, right? Yeah, exactly. The one we don't want. That's right. That's right. It is definitely the butts we don't want. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Well, I'm excited. I feel like we just paved the way for this topic that we're talking about today. Um, How to overcome self-doubt and imposter syndrome to grow your business. So let's dive in. This is big, big, big topic amongst women, and I am ready for it. Let's go. Well, I'll tell you, Cammie, it came about from running the New York City Marathon. And as I was training, now keep in mind, I had never run in my life. This wasn't something I did. At 57 years old, I said, I'm going to run the New York City Marathon. And I went from running one mile to 26 miles in just a year. And it was that determination that, and and as I was training, it was those business lessons that taught me. And so the number one, one is the courage, right? You have got to say, I don't care. I'm doing this. I'm taking the shot at life. Get past that self-doubt and that fear, right? So number one is the courage. The next one is the clarity. And, you know, so often in business, we don't have that great and powerful why. We say, oh, I want to make $10,000. But why? What is that $10,000 going to buy you? Because I'll tell you, if you don't have that great and powerful why behind you, the minute you hit one stumbling block, you're going to stop. And that was me in the marathon, right? Like if I, so there was the first day I ran a mile. And then about two months later, I ran three miles. But then all of a sudden, I went back to two miles. Now, I could have stopped and said, oh, I'm never going to do this. But I didn't. I had that great and powerful why. My great and powerful why of running the New York City Marathon, by the way, was two things. One, I never had a fitness goal. But the most important was it was the 25th anniversary of my son Connor's death. And so when I was training, I was usually on a treadmill at first. And I had a giant picture in front of me of my son my best friend who had died of cancer the year before, and then just two random women crossing the finish line. But I kept that great and powerful why in front of me at all times. And as an entrepreneur, you've got to have those images in front of you. I am a big one about vision boards, right? So if that great and powerful why for you is donating to charity and being able to give, or it's that beach house, whatever it is, you need to have that in front of you at all times, because saying it's a dollar sign isn't enough. 
So that's that, that second one, right? It's that clarity. The third is the confidence. And man, this is where women fall short. We have so many limiting beliefs. It's just crazy. I mean, how many times, you know, if you have your own business and you've just landed that client and you're totally psyched and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, now I have to do this. What if I'm not good enough? What if he thinks I'm, I'm a fraud, right? That fraud mentality is just so overwhelming and men don't have it. You know, if men are going after a job, they could see just two of the requirements say, that's for me. But if a woman doesn't meet all 10 men, she's like, nope, not for me. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. It's sad. (laughs) We need to do better. We do need to do better. And, And the trick is to, you know, look at that limiting belief of yourself and start practicing. And I do this with my coaching clients of what are those proof points? It's not true. So your limiting belief might be, you know, I'm not the best at social media. I can't market my client. What are the proof points that you really did? It could have just been one post that you did that landed something. So think about it step by step. What are those proof points that it that is not true? And, you know, for me, it was so ironic because again, I started progressing in my running and I got to running six miles, seven miles. And I'd be running in the community and I'd see these women and other men that had on the right running clothes and that were serious. And I'm like, wow, they're really runners. And then all of a sudden I said, wait a second, I'm running seven miles. I am a runner. So your brain starts playing those tricks with you saying, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not successful enough. And so you need to find those proof points that you are, you are enough. And so along with those vision boards, you have got to be journaling. What are those fear points where you feel you are not enough? And the biggest thing around that is you've got to surround yourself with the right people. If you have people in your life, think about who you take advice from. If you're an entrepreneur, are you taking advice from that person who says, oh, I don't know, you know, that's really risky, who's never been an entrepreneur? No. What do they know? Look for those people that you can aspire to. I started finding coaches about running that really helped me. Find those people you aspire to be. Take the advice from them. And here's a really important part. Be vulnerable. Ask for help. Women think vulnerability is a sign of weakness, and it's not. Vulnerability gets you to ask the right questions. Vulnerability gets you to that help, those mentors, those sponsors, those coaches who want to lift you up. So don't be afraid to ask those questions. Be vulnerable. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing is that consistency. Man, There are times in our business where we have to do those things we just hate doing. We're not going to love everything we do as a business owner. There are those things we consistently have to do. Every morning, we have to think about what are those emails we have to send out? Who are those clients we have to connect with? How are we going to keep moving it forward? Maybe that last business plan you gave or that last coaching uh, package you created didn't sell. You can't walk away from it. You have to be consistent again and again and again to bring in those sales. And that was me. There were times I didn't want to go out running. There were times I would have much rather stayed in my cozy bed with a cup of coffee, but I had to get out of bed, 
Put on those running shoes and just start running. And that is what you have to do in your business. You have to keep the consistency of doing it again and again and again and again. Do not give up. Your success is that next step. You got to just keep going. Oh my gosh, you've said so many things and it's like you're singing my song over here. It's We're speaking exactly the same language and I love everything that you said. Uh, one of the things that I thought about here when you were talking about like um, limiting beliefs and things like that, right? So there's that thing with the confidence and how we get caught mm -hmm. up in how we see ourselves and and then... Like, how would you say is the best way to for someone to overcome that? Like, is there some kind of affirmation that you would do? Because I'm sure you went through it, too. Right. Like uh, you said about the runners, like, look at them. They're real runners. Why? Because they have matching outfits from Amazon. Right. 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that made them the runner. But it's right. like, you know, I think women are a little bit better than what I've seen over the years. But I think we need to continue to stop comparing and keep believing, right? Like they're thinner, they're fitter, they're faster, they can go longer. You know, it's like we need, and the other thing I think is that, and this still goes on, but I think it's not as prevalent is that women were always like digging at each other. They were always mm -hmm. putting each other down because of their own insecurities mm -hmm. instead of lifting each other up. And I think we need to like literally commit to change the narrative that never put another woman down again. Like if you're a girl, we're lifting you up because I think that we're conditioned that way. You men don't do that. They well, listen, our world has been a just evolution of misogynists, right? Yes. I mean, it is men who have created the nine to five mentality because they could. It was men who dictated what we should wear, what we should say, what we should look like. And we bought into it. We and did. it's time <laughs> to change that narrative and say, no, I mean, you know, listen, if you are too tough at work, you're considered a bitch. If you dress a certain way, you're considered a slut. The, men don't have those labels on them. as No, we do. they don't. No, they don't. And it's, you know, when, and as a mom, you know, if you travel for business, it's like, you're horrible. Who's going to take right. care of your kids? But did anyone ever ask your husband when he traveled? Right. Nobody was worried about his kids yeah. or who was going to take care of them. And it's, and not that we want to get on this man hating thing, because we have men in our life that we love very much. Um, but I, we really need to do better and we need to lift each other up. I mean, we just do. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the mommy wars were a real thing. Like you said, you know, those moms who chose to stay home, those moms who didn't look everything, everybody has their own situation. That's right for them. I just did a pot. And so at, you're asking about inspiration and affirmations. My book, Daily Inspirations for Midlife Women, A Guide to Peace, Joy, Confidence, and Abundance is daily affirmations. You can turn to every page and this is what you can use to recharge yourself. And the reason I wrote that is because women do constantly need those affirmations, right? To feel better about themselves. But I, I just recently did a podcast and I've had a lot of coaches in my life and I have a lot of people that I take advice from, but I realized that, you know, people can look at me and say, God, I want to build my business the way she is. Well, my kids are out of the house, right? So right. that works for me. If you are an entrepreneur with a two-year-old and a five-year-old and even a 10-year-old, you don't have that flexibility and freedom. And so 
don't look at me, be okay with who you are and getting back to those limiting beliefs. I think we compare ourselves so much. Like you said, the woman who is 25 pounds lighter, well, maybe she can go to the gym every day, whereas somebody else can. Maybe they can only do two push-ups or walk around the block. It's okay. Be good with who you are and what you're doing. And that's what's so important about those limiting beliefs. We're comparing ourselves on social media and it's horrible. It is horrible. That's exactly why we started this podcast was because women were comparing themselves and I couldn't figure out myself how to get them to stop. So I thought, well, let's give them something real to compare about, right? They have, they see your success today, which we'll probably repeat this, but they'll, they see your success today in the life that you live and they have no idea the price you paid. Right. And you right. continue to pay. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the re the reality is my life is hard. I'm not <laughs> going to ignore that. But you grow into the person you are. I mean, you know, how often I have I heard, oh, I could never do what you're doing. Yeah, you could, because when it's your life, you don't have a choice. You just do it. And that's where I think women shine. You know, I, and again, this is not man bashing, but I think women, especially when there is a tragedy, when there is a crisis, when they've lost their job, they roll up their sleeves and they're going to get it done one way or another. Whereas I find men are so tied into their identity as a as a business person, as an employer, if they lose their job, they're sitting on the couch and they don't know what to do. They're lost. Yeah. Yeah. And money too, right? Remember when, when the market crashed yeah. uh, and, and these businessmen were jumping out windows because they couldn't yeah. deal with it because, and that I, I've seen that happen to uh, professional women that are really high up, but not so much. Uh, and probably because there's more men really high up, right? Yeah. Like I hate to go right. there, but oh, it's true. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, sometimes we tend to attach our identity to the job we have, the, the money in our bank account, the vacations we take, the car we drive, the house we live in. And so when that stuff goes away, we don't even know who we are. Right. Right. We, we have no identity. And then we feel like we're nobody and right. uh, and not worthy. And then we see things like that take over. Uh, um, and it's yeah. a very scary, dangerous place. Right. And that's why I talk about value rather than things. What are those things you value? You know, for somebody, it might be being home every night with their kids for dinner. For another one, it might be adventurous traveling. It's the the value you put on it. And I also work with women a lot around money, right? Like money is a scary topic for women. And what I say to them is you don't necessarily have to have a budget, but you do have to decide what is your priority. If your priority is traveling, then maybe you're going to forgo those brunches with your girlfriends every month. Maybe you're going to do something else. What is your, what do you value the most? And I think that's what's so important. I love that you just said that because I heard this from a financial expert, a woman who was young, and she said, just look at your bank statement. It reflects the values that are within your soul because that's where you're spending your money. So like if you say you want to travel, but you're out shopping at Macy's every right. week, they, right. that's contradictory and it just leads to not success, right? So, exactly. oh my gosh, I love it. So let's recap these three uh, these three C's I absolutely four. love. The first one, uh, four, I'm sorry. Four. Yep. Um, yep. And so for the four C's, the first one is courage. So what is your best tip? One best tip, like for someone who is not feeling courageous, but they need to step into that to do something big 
that they want or really need to do? What would you say? This sounds a little counterintuitive, but you're going to first. So if your fear is growing your business, right, you're going to you're going to take on another client and you have a lot of fear around that. I want you to start thinking about what that looks like and everything that could possibly go wrong, because we build up in our heads all of that stuff. Right. And we sleep at night and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it and keeps so, us from sleeping at night, exactly, right? Like exactly. Eventually we don't sleep because that's all we think about. Right. And so <laughs> I want you to think of everything that could possibly go wrong. And I want you to write it down because number one, once it's out of your head, you can start thinking a little bit more clearly. And then I want you to imagine every one of those things happening. Every one of those things happening. You lose the client. He calls you stupid. He thinks it's horrible, whatever it is. I want you to imagine that happening. And then I want you to realize that tomorrow is going to still come. That your deepest fear, no matter what, you're still going to live the next day. It's not going to kill you. You are going to be around. And once you survive that worst thing, it becomes a lot less scary. And you can say, all right. And I tell that to my kids, right? When they were little, they hated getting shots. They were so like, they were terrified of getting shots. And I was like, okay, two things. One, I want you to think of something amazing you're going to do after you get your shot. Like maybe it's going to be ice cream. What's something you can look forward to? And the second thing is I want you to plan what you're going to do tomorrow because tomorrow's going to come no matter what. You got to be ready, right? You can't be stuck in yesterday when tomorrow comes. Oh, that's so so good. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Next up is clarity. And I love what you said about how clear you were, the photos you had in front of you. Um, Is it true? I've heard this before. Um, I think it was with the Miss America pageant. The first time she uh, was crowned the winner and they said, how did that feel to be crowned for the first time? And she said, oh no, that wasn't the first time I walked down that runway and was crowned. I did it a million times in my head. Is it true? Did you do that when you were on that treadmill and you were had those photos in front of you? Were you playing that out and seeing yourself cross that finish line through those pictures that you had of women? So, yes and no. I absolutely saw myself doing it. I saw myself running. And not only that, I learned like so it's 26 miles through New York City and The crowd is amazing. It's loud. It's exciting. They're like literally lifting you up with the crowd, except for one place. And that's mile 16 going across the Queensboro Bridge. And it's silent. There's not one person on there. And all you hear is the thud, thud, thud of everybody's feet. And that's when people start breaking. And so I not only imagined me finishing, but I imagined every one of those hard spots so that I knew what to expect because I had to be prepared not only for the good and not only for the excitement, but for the bad so that I knew and I was prepared. How am I going to get through that bad part? And so I did each one. I saw myself finishing. I felt my excitement of doing it, but I also planned step by step by step. And that's what's important too. We so often are thinking of that end goal that we don't congratulate ourselves on those little steps that get us along the way. So at my, when I did three miles the first time, I was congratulating myself and high-fiving. When I did 10 miles, I was, and 
that is when I was always posting on social media because I needed that feedback of way to go, Allison. I needed that, that feedback to say, yes, I'm doing something. So both things. You need to see yourself winning, but you need to see yourself through the hard parts too. I love that because talk about preparation, right? If you're only focused on winning, that makes it a little harder of a journey than when you're really focusing on getting yourself through the difficulty. Oh, that that's so good. And it can be applied to so much of life, right? Oh my gosh. Okay. Next up, confidence. Confidence. And yeah, confidence is different than courage, right? Like courage is getting past that fear. The confidence is saying, I am good enough. I can do, you know, it's like that Stuart Wally or whatever it was from Saturday Night Live. I am good enough and people like me, right? Like it was hysterical, but it's true. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so the confidence is identifying your true strengths having the humility and the vulnerability to ask for help in those areas that you're not strong, but really recognizing your strengths and playing to them and cutting off that limiting belief and those past stories that you were told by sometimes your family, well-meaning family of, oh, you know, you can't run a business. That's something for other people. You could never do that. You got to put up those boundaries, loving boundaries around those people who are not supporting you. You've got to have those blinders on and focus and have the confidence to just find those mentors, those coaches, and those people that are going to lift you up. I love that so much. And it really does take a village, right? Like that's not a saying, it's not a joke. It's a real thing. And we do need to sometimes pull our village together and ask for help. And I love what you even said about feedback. Like you needed the feedback. You needed people to say like, you're great. You can do it. Listen, we all, we need to know, we need to go deep within ourselves and really know what we need before we can ask for the help that we need. And I think that that is so important. And I love that you called it out. Like, I know that's important to me. I need that. And then of course, the last one, which is the one that will make or break us, right? It doesn't matter if you get the other three, right? If you blow this one, you are out. Consistency. There's no way to achieve big things without it, right? Yeah. Consistency is the key. Tell us a little I mean, bit more. Well, I mean, I'll, in, in an example, I have a coaching program that I started running. The first time I ran it, I had 20 people in it. The second time I had it, I had 30 people in it. The third time I had five. And I was like, oh my God, I'm burnt out. I shouldn't do this anymore. And I was like, no. You're going to offer it again. And, and you know, the, the reality is you just have to keep consistent. Now, that's not to say if you feel like something needs to be tweaked or you feel like, you know, I mean, that was me with running, right? Like I didn't know that you're supposed to have long runs. You're supposed to have short run sprints. So there is that consistency, but sometimes you need to tweak it to be the most impactful and most effective. But it's the tenacity to keep going, make that call, right? Like how often have we heard in sales calls, you gotta get through nine no's to hear your first yes. So every time you hear that, no, congratulate yourself. It's like, way to go. You're closer to that next one. Yes, oh my gosh, I love that so much. Oh, I so much. Give, I always give the analogy. So I live outside in New York City, but I, I drive into New York City a lot. And for any of your listeners who try to find a parking spot in New York City, you know it's not easy. <laughs> You know, it's not easy, but my friends laugh at me because I always find a spot and I'll tell you why. 
because the first time I go around and there's no spot, the next time someone just in front of me got it. And I know that third time it's going to be mine. You got to keep trying. Yes, you do. You can't give up, especially in the city where you're going to put your car. Right. I take the train into the city for that reason. (laughs) I don't want to deal with that. Oh, my gosh. This is so great. I love this so much. All right. So you mentioned a little bit about the book. So I want to I want to really just dive into that. So I thank you, first of all, for sending this to me in the mail. I absolutely love it. It is so happy and full of sunshine. Um, I just it's amazing. The Daily Inspirations for Midlife Women. It's a guide to peace, joy, confidence and abundance. You guys, you want to grab this book. You can get it on Amazon. I opened it. I opened it the first day. I flipped the page and this was my message I have to share. And anybody who knows me personally will just crack up. It says, do you really want to be happy? Then it's time to let go of the things that make you sad. Oh, there's the mic drop. There's so much in here. I flipped through this for the last couple of days. I'm just excited to get to have this conversation with you. And I love it. Like, here's the other one. Your fears are never a sure thing. So stop giving them power. Like. Yeah. Oh my gosh, right? We just kind of talked about that, yeah. about being in the now and, you know, not worrying about tomorrow. Yeah. Get ready for tomorrow because it's coming, right? So yeah. I love this book. I love, uh, it encourages me. I love how it's going to encourage all the others that have it. So make sure to get that. We're going to have the link to that book in the show notes. So be sure to click on that and you can go right in there and order your book from Allison. Jacobson. Allison, you also have a podcast. I do. Midlife Mavericks. Yes. And that wasn't even in your bio. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we can't not talk about this. So tell us Midlife Mavericks. I absolutely love that name. Uh, What a title, right? And so tell us about your show. Is it solo? Do you have guests? What are you talking about? What can people expect when they tune in? So it's solo and I have guests and, you know, like you, I had a reason for starting this. And the reason I started this is for women who are close to being empty nesters or are now empty nesters. They're struggling with who am I? Right. We had the role of mom, of partner, of caregiver for so long. And for many of us, that encompassed who we are for like two decades. And all of a sudden. We like it's it's like that cliff drop. You drop your kid off at college or they're looking at the colleges and you're like, oh, my gosh, who am I? What am I going to do? And so it's all about remembering those dreams of who you were before you took on those roles, getting past the self-doubt that I'm too old or I can't do it anymore and deciding to live your life as a kick-ass woman in midlife and achieving everything that you want to do. Like we said, you got one shot at life. Go for it. So my guests are people who are inspirational, have done amazing things, started business after 50 or 40, incredible women, and also experts who can help us deal with finances, with health, with nutrition. I've had uh, this week, it's going to drop next week. I had a grandmapreneur. She is amazing. Connie in Nukai. She created her first product at 60 years old. She has all these patents now on products. She is a hoot man. And it's like, this is why I always want to bring to life these women who are doing incredible things 
in midlife to show you can do it. Just say it. You know, one of the things with my my coaching clients, because everything goes together, my speaking, my podcast, my book, my coaching, you know, I will have so many women say, well, I really always wanted to decorate people's homes. I wanted to be an interior designer. And I'm like, well, do it. Well, I don't know how to start. You want to know how to start? Get a business card. And I challenge them to go to a party and introduce themselves as a interior designer to three people. That's all you have to do. You start creating it into your being. You are that interior designer and do not procrastinate brand, right? Bringing, you know, I have to have the perfect website. I have to have the perfect logo. No, you don't. You just throw it out there. You jump in and you start doing it. That is the way to start. And so Uh, that's what we talk about on my podcast. I love it. I love it. That is amazing. Okay. Now coming up soon, you have a mini course. So seven days to unshakable self-confidence. Oh my gosh. We could keep the conversation going over there. So anybody who really felt pushed or pulled or poked um, when we talked about confidence, uh, I would say jump over there and take a look at that, right? So tell us a little bit about that course. Yep. So that is seven days. You get audio messages from me every morning, as well as videos, as well as workable written resources that you can see about how to start building your self-confidence and those limiting beliefs. Shut down those voices in your head who for years have told you you're not smart enough, you're not good enough. I give exercises on how to really become that self-confident person. And I'll give your audience one of the tricks. I always say, think about somebody. It could be a fictional character. It could be anybody who embodies self-confidence to you. And so a lot of women I work with are going through a divorce and they have to walk into divorce court. And so for me, when I did that, it was Carrie Washington's character from Scandal, Olivia Pope. And I embody Olivia Pope. I walk like her. I act like her. I have the badass character like her. So who in your life, who do you know that is the most kick-ass, self-confident woman? And start asking yourself, how would she act? And start embodying her because it is honestly one of those fake it till you make it. When you start feeling it, you will do it. And so I have a lot of written exercises. It's seven days of stuff from me and it's only $27. Wow. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, That's so affordable for anyone. I love that because this, this, everyone can do it, right? There's no reason not to. Oh, this is amazing. And the link is in the show notes, you guys. And next up, I love when I have guests that bring freebies for my community (laughs) because we want to give so much value. And so I love that you have something already set up for them. Five steps to release fear and live boldly. Oh my gosh. Tell us what that's about. That's about that first seat of courage. How do you really let go of that fear when you've got those knots in your stomach, wherever you're holding that fear, where it's just keeping you up at night when you're walking into divorce court? Unfortunately, I have so many women I work with who've been emotionally abused and verbally abused, and they are just petrified, petrified to see their husband in divorce court. And so through this five steps to release fear, I talk about unraveling that fear. Now I'm going to give you another I'm going to give you Yay. So one of the challenges, especially when you have fear around a client or a partner or something is you just, you hear their voices, you see them, you need to objectify them. 
Okay. And what I mean by that is I don't want you to see them as that person anymore. What is something that you absolutely dislike and that you can just, you know, give to them? So for me, I dislike lima beans. So when I was going through my divorce, I named my ex lima bean. In my phone, he was lima bean. I referred to him as LB. Okay. So because what happens with that is it's no more personal. It's no longer that intimate contact. It is just a thing. And so I had another client who looked remember in Snoopy where there was always that cloud of smoke going around that one character, Pigpen. She thought her ex-husband is Pigpen as just that cloud of dirt walking around. Oh my gosh. I had, here's one last quick. That's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah, I worked with a kindergarten teacher and she was so sweet. And again, an abusive marriage. She was scared to death. And I said, okay, what makes you like just objectify me? She's like, it's not that it's what makes me. She's like, here's how I feel confident. Here's that embodiment, Miss Piggy. And she loved Miss Piggy. So the day she was in divorce court, I actually sent her a picture of Miss Piggy and it it helped her. It lightened up the situation, but she was just like, she was Miss Piggy. Oh my gosh, you are hysterical. I know your clients just love you and learn so much from you. You're making fun of it, right? Yeah. I just, I, one question. Did your ex know you called him Lyman? Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> That was the inside joke. (laughs) It was the inside joke. And we are now finally after 10 years on to a place where we can be okay. It took a long time, but it, I mean, I can't tell you how long I would see his name pop up in emails. And it was just this, this tightening and this fear. And here's the other thing. I always tell my clients, do not engage verbally with somebody only do it over text and have a script. And do not deviate from that script. Have four lines that you will always use because other than that, you don't need to engage with that person. So make sure when you have that script, you do not deviate. Oh my gosh, this is so great. Oh, I think we, you need to be calling in every every morning, <laughs> helping us with our work show. Yes. Whoa, see, now you're onto something right? big right there. Oh my gosh. Okay, so... There was one more thing I wanted to talk about before we move on, and that is about first candle. So, yes. yes, So let's talk a little bit about that. I did watch your video and yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I I don't even want to say, but I, I watched it and I admire what you're doing and the force you are behind uh, making a difference. So share with us about first candle and what they do and how people we'll, we'll make sure to have the links in the show notes. Thank you. So First Candle is the national nonprofit that deals with sudden unexpected infant death. And under that is SIDS and accidental suffocation and sleep related infant deaths. We do education and outreach and most importantly, we do bereavement support for families who have lost a baby to sudden unexpected infant death and to stillbirth. There are 27,000 stillbirths every year in this country. Um, And so when Connor died, I took a seat on their board of directors. I was there for six years. And it was at that time it changed from SIDS Alliance to First Candle with the belief that every baby should reach their first birthday and blow out that first candle. And that's how the name came about. And then I went on, I had my other kids with Spencer with intellectual disabilities. I got 
really busy. And then in 2016, they came back calling and asked if I would take over as CEO and executive director. And it honestly felt like coming full circle. It was that missing piece of keeping Connor alive with me. And so we have an amazing, amazing team that works with me. Um, One woman, Barb Himes, she's our director of education bereavement. She lost her baby 40 years ago, Christmas Eve morning. And she had two other babies alive at that time. And so we live it. We live it every day. We are committed. We know that here's a horrible statistic. Mothers have a greater chance of dying in childbirth now than we did 50 years ago. And we know that a healthy baby requires a healthy mom. And so maternal mortality and morbidity go right along hand in hand with infant mortality. And so we are committed to making sure that every mom, dad, grandparent, family member understands about safe sleep and how it can prevent infant deaths. Mm. Unbelievable. Well, what what a campaign you have going on to raise awareness. Uh, That is huge. Uh, We definitely have the link here for this in the show notes uh, for people who want to donate their time, donate their resources, wherever we can get more feet on the ground to support this cause. It is happening every day. What are the statistics of how many children are we losing to SIDS every year? Well, here's what's really disappointing. Um, When Connor died in 1997, it was right around when the Back to Sleep campaign started. And it went from 7,000 a year down to 3,500 a year, which was fabulous. But it has stayed 3,500 for the past two decades. And what that tells me is there's a problem with the message. The message has always been, shame on you. Don't do this. And nobody listens to that. And we need to meet families where they're at. Now, here's the other sad statistic. There is a dramatic disparity in the rate of deaths between black infants and white infants. In some areas, it's 12 times higher. In Cook County, Chicago, a baby is dying every day from sleep-related infant deaths. This is a crisis. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't know about it. Now, October is Safe Sleep Awareness Month. It is also Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. So we're looking at preventing it, but also honoring and supporting those families who have already lost a baby. And we wanna talk about it because it's those firsthand stories I always say I will talk to anybody about Connor, because if I can help save one baby's life, I've done something in his honor. Oh, 100 percent. What And what a tribute, right? Like no one ever wants to go through this, but I love the way that you turn this around and he's he actually drives you. He fuels you in this area to be able to help other people and get this message out. And I love that. And hopefully, you know, because podcasting is free and anyone can tune in, hopefully more people that don't have the communication and are not getting the messages will hear it here from us. And so hopefully our podcast will land in their ears and give them what they need. But all the everything's in the show notes, you guys. This is going to be the longest show notes we ever had because <laughs> Allison is such a rock star. She's making such a huge impact in the world with her work and all that she does. And we want to make sure that you are able to tap into that at any time. This has been so amazing, Allison. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. 
So super easy. It's Allison at Allison-Jacobson.com. You could always email me and my website is Allison-Jacobson.com. Perfect. And it's also in the show notes. So click the show notes if you can't write it down and it'll take you right to that website where you can reach out. Amazing. I can't thank you enough. I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, that we're talking about this being the month of awareness as October and that it was so important that I wanted to, I mean, we really flipped the coins to get our schedules together to get this in, in order to land it before this month was over, because I feel like it is an honor and a tribute to be able to do that and to get that message out to more people. But this is not the last that you're going to hear about this, you guys, (laughs) because I'm going to be talking about this for many, many episodes to come because I see a need that can be fulfilled through the work that we do. And I, I, that is what my mission is. So I'm excited to do that. And so any of you listening who want to get in with me and support this amazing cause and, and provide more education and resources and all of the things, please, please reach out so we can team up and really have a strong, strong effort here. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster, and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, Come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org.
Ellison. Oh my gosh, I don't even know what to say. This has been so amazing. We've covered so much. Thank you for everything that you brought today. I don't think you left anything out. Oh, thank you. Uh, you have shared so much, so many tips, things that people can do right now to make a difference wherever they are, whatever they're thinking, this can transform them. And I appreciate you so much for that. But we're not done because, you know, on She's Invincible, we promise our listeners we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs and we're going to give them all of these great things you gave today. You actually over delivered. Uh, <laughs> but we also promise them that we're going to pull back the curtain. See, we talked about comparison. We talked about confidence. Uh there's just not enough of it. And so people look at you and they think, oh, she's so pretty. She's so smart. She's so well-spoken. She's, she's done so many things, right? She's so successful. And they say things like, she's so lucky. That's mm. when you want to take your shoe off, right? Yeah. Just smack them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's why we do this because those things are true. But the truth is, Everyone wants your success. Everyone wants the life you live and no one wants to pay the price you pay. Mm -hmm. So we are about to share some behind the scenes stories so that when we're done, we can say all of that is true about Allison Jacobson. Are you willing to pay the price to have the life she has? Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. Tell us a story about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. Oh my God. The greatest part of my journey is where I am honestly right now. And I turned 58 on Saturday and I literally realized the two most important things I want in life is peace because there's been so much chaos and trauma in my life and I have peace. And because of everything I went through, I found my passion. And so I can't imagine anything more or being any more blessed than having peace and passion in your life and doing what you love. And that to me is the greatest thing. I love it. And you're living it now, right? Yeah. In spite of all that you've done. And I also think that it's a perspective, right? Because things aren't perfect, right? No. You're still, you still have people oh, yeah. at home that you're caring for and catering mm -hmm. to and, and uplifting emotionally and physically yes. in all the ways. Uh, yes. But in your perspective, you have peace. Right. Well, yeah. And you know what? It's really interesting. I, I want to share a quick story is yeah. when, when I was married prior, it was it was very tumultuous. It was toxic. And I felt like he was emotionally not there for me and emotionally disabled almost. Um, and now while my husband is physically disabled, he is so there for me emotionally, for my kids. My kids adore him. And so I would trade that any day. And, you know, people look at me, like you said, and say, oh my gosh, your husband has MS. He's in a wheelchair. But it is, you don't see it anymore. I don't see it anymore. He is just my husband, the most loving man I could ask for. That is so beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, and again, you know, it's perspective, right? It's yeah. you look at you look at the gifts you 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 that's what you're looking for. And when you do, you find them. Yeah. But so many times we're not looking for the gifts. We're complaining about the thorns. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh. And it's 
and it's 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 just the shift it's the shift of the perspective i it's love like this. that quote if you want to be happy just stop <laughs> looking at the sadness stop yeah get up give up the things that make yeah. you sad oh my yeah. god i love that quote all right this has been fun now we have to talk about the bad so we're going to yes. save the ugly for last but okay. tell us the story about the bad part of this journey uh, I mean, undoubtedly, the bad part was losing my son at three months and 24 days. He was my first. Um, I was 29 years old. And, you know, looking back now in midlife, 29, you're so young. You're so naive. You're so hopeful. You think everything, your life is in front of you. You don't expect your baby to die. And so I dropped him off at daycare. I was working in New York City. And at 10 a.m., I got the call that no one would ever want to get from daycare saying there's a problem with your baby. He's not breathing. And I can't even I can't remember everything. Your body, your brain protects you in these traumas. And I can't remember, but I do know I was screaming and people ran to my door. And I at that time took the train in and they knew I couldn't take the train to the hospital. And they took him to the hospital. And when I got there. I saw my husband at the time standing in a door and I saw a window and I thought Connor was behind there. And he looked at me and he said, Connor's with God now. I don't remember anything. I fell to the floor. I must have fainted. And when I came to, I realized he wasn't the only one in the room. My mother was there. Nurses were there. A big burly fireman crying was there. Um, and I didn't know what to make of it. I literally didn't know what to make of it. And they brought me into another room and they let me hold him in a rocking chair. And the worst time was when they took him out of my arms for the last time. That was the worst moment of my life. Oh, I, and I can't even imagine. And I hope that you never have a, a moment worse than that in your life. I hope you've seen the, the worst of the worst in that. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that because you're not alone, right? There's so many yeah. people that are going through that. Um, and, and some people never go on. They never know. It's, you know, it's just the most devastating thing. But I love how you are helping others in his name and in his honor. And I love that that fuels you to make the world a better place and to help other people that are suffering and going through what you went through. Thank you. Thank you. It's not easy, I know. All right, my friend. Well, and believe it or not, guys, it gets worse because mm. now we're going to tell the story about the ugly because the ugly is the ultimate. Um, mm. Yeah. Tell us the story about the ugliest part of your journey so far. So the ugliest part of my journey, without a doubt, was my divorce. Um, I am an only child. I came from a family where there never was divorce. And here's, here's me being vulnerable. We went on to have three kids. I knew my divorce. I knew my marriage wasn't working. But I stayed because I thought Connor would want us to stay together. Yeah. So I stayed way longer than I should have until one day it dawned on me. He wouldn't want mommy to be unhappy and he wouldn't want daddy to be unhappy either. 
Right. And so that's what gave me the courage. It should have been okay. It wasn't. It became a really, really ugly divorce. Like two years, I got adult chicken pox in the middle of it. We went to trial. The judge died in the middle of the trial. It had to start all over again. Oh, yeah. You can't make this stuff up. You just can't. And I was the primary earner. And all of the debt, the credit card debt that was run up was in my name. And despite the fact that it was supposed to be split, it wasn't. And the credit cards don't care. They only care whose name is on the credit cards. And so I was left with this insurmountable debt not to mention everything from the divorce itself. And at that time I was doing spokesperson work and I lost my number one client. So all of a sudden I had tons of bills and no income coming in. And so I had to declare bankruptcy. I waited as long as I could, but I realized I was never gonna get out of this. And that was truly the ugliest moment for me because I wasn't brought up that way. I was brought up to be financially responsible. I was brought up to take care of my debts and do the right thing. And it was so humiliating to do that. But it was the best thing I could have done because having to live off just a debit card for months taught me how to be so financially responsible. And like literally at that time before the bankruptcy, I wouldn't even look at my online bank. I didn't want to know. I would just pray that if I went to the grocery store, it wouldn't be declined. I mean, it was just horrible. And then talk about repetition. I forced myself every morning to look at my bank account so it wasn't scary anymore. And now it's a game. Now I love, like I am in such a better place. And that's why Another course that I'm offering in January, this is the fourth time, is Confidence Equals Cash and helping women to become financially independent and learn how to put on their big girl pants and take care of their money because it was ugly. Wow. You have so much that, oh my gosh, I love this. Your wealth of knowledge, unfortunately, due to, you know, the experience and the journey, but oh my gosh, I love how you're just putting it out there, putting it to use and helping other people because of it. And I appreciate that so much. And honestly, that, that is part of what makes you so invincible. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. You know what, girl, I can do anything. That's right. And every time you get knocked down, you get back up. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how hard, how many times, how often I, I see you just in the stories and the journey that every time you're like one of those punching, blow up, punching things, right? You punch it down and it comes right back That's up. That's right. That's you, Allison. You are a rock star. Thank you for being invincible. Thank you for being here, for just sharing so much with our listeners. And just honestly, the things that you talked about today, if put into practice, will transform people's lives and businesses and minds. And I appreciate you so much for that. Thank oh, you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. The pleasure. Oh, so all mine. Well, you guys, you know what we say. I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up just get back up. That's the first step. You can do it. You can do anything. I know it feels like you can't do it. Right, Allison? Oh my God. How, oh my gosh. How many days did you spend feeling like you can't do it? But we're here to tell you whatever it is, you still can do it. Just believe in us and get back up because we're believing in you. 
you can do anything. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at camilehman.com. I can't wait to meet you.